0: Welcome everyone, this is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, but we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready, let's go. Father, thank you that you have made it possible once again. You have provided once again for us to come together in this session and this installment of Monday Inspirational Moments for your professionals. We are yours. Our spirits are yours. Our souls are yours. Our bodies are yours. We belong to you. And we ask you in Jesus name to make us vessels unto honor, that we might serve the Lord with excellence, that we may serve the Lord with gladness, that we may serve the Lord with sincerity. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray, O God, for these professionals, those who are in their workplaces, those who are on their way to or from their workplaces. I pray for them, I pray for their families, I pray for all of their connections, I pray for their colleagues, those who are in supervisory roles, I pray for those under their charge, those who are in positions where they are under supervision, I pray for their superiors. I pray for all of those that are connected to them that the favor of God will be upon the whole house and upon the whole business and upon the whole enterprise. Father Laban said to Jacob, I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. And I ask you, Lord, to let that be the testimony of all the co-workers and all the associates, all the students and clients and customers. Let them be able to testify that they've learned by experience that the Lord has blessed them because of the kingdom professional serving them. I pray, Lord, that you would let us have afresh the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us Lord, according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places. Thank you that Jesus Christ has been made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Thank you. Thank you for the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you for a heart to give and a heart to receive. We appreciate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Once again, thank you uh, for tuning in. Now, um, I think many of us know that next Monday will be Memorial day and we owe a great debt of gratitude to those who serve and who have served in the military. You understand that Memorial day is about giving honor to those who, uh, have given their lives uh those who are a part of the armed forces who have given their lives to the benefit of others and um and and all of us have benefited from the lives of the armed forces being submitted and so i ask that you would let's be mindful of that and i'd like to say to anyone who is military as a matter of fact, you know one thing that we need to do. We, we've interviewed quite a few professionals, but we have not yet interviewed someone who is military with regard to military. Now they may have been military, but we were interviewing them just about other professions and so forth. But but we're going to interview uh, a military guest and just talk about military matters um, in days to come. I think that would be edifying. Brother McCoy, thank you so much for your comment. It was a blessing to be in service and in fellowship with the great Way Church, Pastor Marcus uh, Scott Sr. And, and First Lady Scott and the Saints there. It was a blessing for me to be in the midst. All right. Well, we've been talking about the fact that our God is God of the macrocosm. What the session on Monday represents is the ongoing development of the specialized subgroups of FKP that we refer to as guilds, G U I L D S. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a kingdom oriented resource? to which men and women might resort when they need insight into their given area of profession. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to have, for example, one of our young ladies here um, just graduated from medical school. She is um, now a doctor and she will be going into internship and all of that but wouldn't it be wonderful if there were a kingdom man or kingdom woman who has walked where she is now walking and where she's about to walk who could give her perspective and not only give her perspective from the professional side of it an angle of it yes by all means but to give that professional perspective from a kingdom of God perspective as well, who could help her to understand the kinds of challenges that can arise in the life of a believer, who could help her to understand the kinds of opportunities that will come to her as a believer and therefore prepare her for both, prepare her to withstand and overcome the challenges and to optimize the opportunities. Well, that's not just true with medicine. That's true with education. You know, when I began to teach, when I began to teach in the public school, I did not have anyone who would identify as a kingdom of God professional. Doesn't mean none of them existed. It just means that they were not identified as kingdom professionals and many of them would not have known the principles of the kingdom and how they directly apply to our shifting and shaping and making culture, did not understand the power of their cultural influence and some things that could even optimize. And you think about it. in, in in that day there was no social media <clears throat> we were just learning computers I was I, I learned I learned how to use a computer during my tenure uh, of uh, of high of high school education um I, I learned to use a computer while teaching and so when you consider the great advancements that exist up to this point someone in a profession, who knows um, how to get certain credentials and recertifications and all those kinds of things. Wouldn't that that be beneficial? Uh, The information that Brother Chris DeWitt brought, and and we're going to get him back on, but the information that Brother Chris DeWitt brought about the fact that there are young people who can get their entire education in a health-related field for no cost to them and receive a stipend while they're going through it. That is significant, that is significant. That's what we mean. And and there are opportunities that exist in all the different arenas, but if we don't know, we don't know. All right, so let's, let's, let's remember our topic this season. It is God of the macrocosm. God of the macrocosm and we're looking at Psalm number 34 and verse three, which says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. To magnify some object is not to enlarge the object To magnify the object is to make it in appearance larger and consequently clearer. To cause the appearance of the thing to be larger in order for it to be clearer that individuals might be able to perceive them better. We can't make God any bigger. Magnify the Lord. We can't make God any bigger but we can most definitely make people's perception of god bigger we can help them to see him more clearly and that's what we want to do that's what we are called to do and it is not just something that we do in a building like this one in which i sit in a room like the one across the hall there the sanctuary but in every room at every desk in every setting, we are to magnify the Lord. Um, this morning we began to talk about some some fairly sensitive areas. I'm going to press a little further. Uh, hopefully, there are some people who have made the statement that uh, there is no. I've, I've heard this stated down through the years. There is no biddle. Excuse me. There is no big sin, little sin. All sin is sin. Have you ever heard that expression? The ain't. There isn't. There are not any big sins or little sins. They're all just sins. I've heard that statement. Well, Pastor Bellamy, all right, good to see you. Good to see you. As always, may I say again, um, there's that expression. There are no big sin, little sin, sin, sin. That sounds good. And here's what's true about that statement. All sin displeases God. Yes, all sin displeases God. But yes, there is a difference in terms of varying sins and varying degrees of sin. Let me give you one verse of scripture that speaks to that. In the book of John, the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is speaking. Certainly, if anybody knows, Jesus knows. John nineteen eleven. Jesus answered, "Thou couldst have no power over at all, rather against me. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore." He that hath delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. This is John chapter 19, verse 11. He that hath delivered me uh, unto thee hath the greater sin. Well, you can't very well have greater sin if all sins are equally great. You follow that? So no, all sins are not equally great. May I say that again? All sins are not equal. They all displease God. But Jesus used the expression, great earth sin. So if there is great earth sin, logically, there's also lesser sin. So it all displeases God, but they are varying degrees. You follow it? Now, with that in mind, if you've read the Old Testament and studied it, if you've read the Old Testament and studied the laws of God and studied them, what seems to be the greatest of the sins? I will tell you that the greatest of the sins is idolatry. I-D-O-L-A-T-R-Y. Idolatry is the greatest of the sins. When you look at the Ten Commandments, what is the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, a prohibition on idolatry. He's, he's prohibiting, he's he's forbidding idolatry. Why is idolatry so displeasing to God? Why is it the chief affront, the chief insult? It is because idolatry is adultery. Idolatry is adultery. Adultery, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. When people are married, that union is made by means of a covenant. That union is sealed by means of a covenant. A covenant is the most solemn pact, P-A-C-T, A covenant is the most solemn agreement possible between two or more people. There's no agreement that can be made any more solemn than a covenant, not a contract, not a deal, not a handshake covenant. And marriage, as you know, is one of the highest covenants that human beings can have. When someone breaks the marriage covenant, they have committed, we say, adultery. Isn't that right? Well, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that God uses symbolic language and identifies himself as the husband and the nation of Israel as the wife. And repeatedly, he indicts the nation of Israel as an adulteress having committed adultery with other gods. Read the book of Hosea, read the book of Ezekiel, where he talks about the nation of Israel having played the harlot. That is having been an adulteress because in the mind of God, the mind of God, idolatry is adultery. You are having an intimate relationship with another God when I'm your God. You're having an intimate relationship with another master when I'm your master. Idolatry displeases God. All right. Now, in the book of First Corinthians chapter 10, when you get a chance, when you get a chance, I would encourage you to read First Corinthians chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And read them with the understanding that Corinth was a city full of idolatry. That is, that is full of gods and goddesses being worshipped who are not the true and living God. And in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's some powerful information that I want to bring to you about why idolatry was and is so displeasing to God. But before we do that, I want to um, ask you to go with me to Luke chapter four. We read this earlier today, Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, uh, Satan is attempting to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ, attempting to tempt him you remember that Jesus uh, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and he's being tempted of the devil. Look at the temptation that's listed second in Luke. Now, this same temptation is listed first in Matthew, but here in Luke it's listed second. Uh, excuse me, it's listed last in Matthew, but here it's listed second. Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Showed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So what did he show him? Well, I don't know exactly what he showed him, but I wouldn't be surprised to find that he showed him Rome, showed him Greece, showed him all the prominent, Uh, countries and cities of his day. The Bible says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Verse six, and the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. So Satan says to Jesus, I have control over the whole world. I have control. Listen to this now. Listen to this. Satan tells Jesus, I have control over the world. Remember now, the world is the systems that operate on the earth. Satan tells Jesus, look at this now. I I want you to get it satan tells jesus because jesus is here as a man now he's god but here he's serving as a man and satan tells the man christ jesus all this power will i give you he says for and the glory of them i'm going to give you the power and the glory he said For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Wow! Satan is, in effect, telling God, of course, God is here as a man, that I'm in charge here. I'm in charge here. Now, what he's saying is a half-truth, and a half-truth is a whole lie. And the devil is a liar. The Bible says he's the father of it. Now, what is true is that Satan is exercising, controlling influence on much of the earth and in much of the world. And that is due to the fact that he, from the beginning, has deceived and manipulated human beings. Remember that that God gave dominion over the earth And so that would include the world. God gave that to humanity. But when humanity disobeyed God, rebelled against God, and obeyed Satan, by default and in effect, Satan was able to seize what God had given to humanity. By default, by in effect, by deceit. Satan was able to seize upon the privileges that belong to humanity. And all that means is that he manipulates human beings and manipulates human beings' ability to dominate the earth or dominate the earth and control the world. The Bible calls him in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, God of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, prince of the power of the air. Uh, John chapter 16, excuse me, chapter 12, Jesus calls him a uh, uh, prince of this world. So yes, Satan becomes the ruler of this age and the dominator of this system because humanity defaulted But the truth be told. The dominion that belongs to humanity still belongs to humanity. Satan manipulates human beings to get his desires accomplished. For example, when Satan wants murder per- perpetrated, generally speaking, he doesn't grab a gun or a knife. He manipulates some human being. When he wants theft done, he manipulates some human being. When he wants hatred and all those things to be perpetrated in actions, he uses a human because the person on the earth with the dominion that God gave is humanity. He manipulates humanity to use what God gave us against us and against God. And not only that, but he has civilization. The book of Ephesians chapter 12 says that there are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. All of these are ranks of demons their ranks of demons. And Satan through his organization of demons dominates on the earth and in the world in large measure. You see, when God created the angels, he gave the angels responsibility for various aspects of human culture and and so forth. But the The fallen angels presume upon that same kind of authority and that same kind of privilege. Remember that the Bible says that when Jesus uh, was casting out the devil in Gadara, when Legion, the man who had the Legion was, what did the demons say back to Jesus? Don't send us out of this country. Don't send us out of this region. It implies that those devils had a sense of authority in that and responsibility in that region. Somebody says, "Well, I, I don't see that, brother Blue." Well, fine, but go over to the book of uh, Daniel, chapter ten. You will find that there are demons being uh, being described by the name Prince of the Kingdom of Persia, Prince of Greece. And then in chapter 12, we find God's holy angel, the archangel Michael, referred to as the prince of the nation of Israel. And then in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, we see it seems Satan himself referred to under the type of king of Tyrus. You understand? So uh there is that there is that scriptural use of the term prince referring, I'm sorry, uh, Ezekiel 28, the the king of Tyrus. Um, There seems to be that scriptural use of the term prince to refer to not only angel princes, but the fallen angel demon princes as well. Okay, we're coming forward. Now brother Blue, what does this have to do with idolatry? Well, I remember that uh in my upbringing, coming through traditional education, we have we have uh units about mythology. And in mythology which which uh captures the beliefs of many of the ancient peoples and ancient cultures there was the belief that there were uh gods and goddesses who governed various aspects of human culture and human existence god of the sun god of the moon god of travelers god of thieves yes there was a God of thieves, God of the various trades, God of the various smiths, God of medicine, God of poetry, God of wisdom or goddess of wisdom, God of love, goddess of love. And what we were taught about these is that these were all attempts of ancient people to explain unseen and unexplainable. Phenomena. In other words, because they could not explain how the sun seemed to rise in the east and seemed to go down to the west, they said that Apollo was riding a chariot and driving it and so forth. Same thing with the moon and his twin sister Artemis, also known as Diana. Uh, And so they went on and, and, and the explanation that I got from my English teachers and others is that this was simply the term myth meant somebody make makes up a make-believe someone conjectures, speculates uh these beings so in other words the whole ancient world the whole ancient world that gave us the seven wonders of the ancient world that gave us the pyramids that gave us the pythagorean theorem who gave us archimedian uh what is that geometry gave us gave us uh the wisdom of plato and socrates and aristotle and all of them all of them were dumb all they were so dumb that they made up uh all these deities and all these systems of of uh and organizations of 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 spirit beings well according to the scripture it's not that they couldn't make some things up you know they were liars then just like they're liars now But according to the scripture, there's more to these gods and goddesses than just imagination and speculation. Beginning in Genesis chapter six, really beginning in Genesis chapter three with Satan himself, but beginning in Genesis chapter six, the Bible talks about there being angelic beings who began to cohabitate with the daughters of men and make a long story short. These beings identified themselves to humanity as God's, lowercase g. Now we know there's only one true and living God, but these spirit beings, these angelic beings in their various ranks and categories, identified themselves to humanity as God's and demanded and accepted worship. What is Satan doing right here in, in Luke chapter four? He's not God, but he's asking for worship, isn't he? So that's the first false god. That's the first idol. But these other spirits likewise, ask for worship, demand and accept worship. And these beings see themselves as having responsibility and privilege over certain sectors of human culture. I gave the illustration this morning. I gave the illustration this morning that the Greek city of Athens in the 17th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I really need you to listen to me, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians, Acts chapter 17, <laughs> Acts chapter 17, not 1 Corinthians 17, 1 Corinthians and a 17. Uh, Acts chapter 17, Paul goes to Athens in Greece and there he says he sees every imaginable kind of idol, idol every imaginable kind of idol. Well, why are those idols there? They're there because in the wisdom of Athens, they want to make sure they cover all the territories and they 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 have all the gods and they even have an altar to the what? Unknown God. Remember that? That's Acts chapter 17. But now let's think about the city of Athens. The city of Athens was the most prominent city in Greece. And Athens is known as a city that has in it the basis for wisdom, philosophy, and all those things. When you think of Athens, you think of Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, and all the rest, all right? Well, when you look at Athens, look at the city of Athens, the highest point in the city of Athens, or at least one of the highest points, is a promontory upon which sits a temple. That temple is known as the Parthenon. The ruins remain now, but in those days, full-fledged, full-service temple. The Parthenon, that word is derived from the Greek Parthenos, which means virgin. It was dedicated to the goddess Athena. Athens, the city, and the Parthenon, the temple, were dedicated to Athena, the so-called goddess of wisdom. Now, that wisdom that dominated Athens is a wisdom that precipitated idolatry of all kinds. And the lack of the knowledge of the true living God, or in other words, the Athena spirit. Is a spirit that associates itself with education, associates itself with ph- philosophy, associates itself with higher learning. You follow? So Athena is known as the goddess of wisdom. She's also known as the goddess of just wars, just wars, not crazy war, but war for good causes. Um, she. Is depicted as dressed in armor, etc., gray eyes, and so forth. Now, here's the point: nothing. Athena, the fictitious character, very interesting character, but Athena, the spirit that had to do with the city of Athens, is on a high place. And if you studied the scripture, you find out that the high places are places where demons were worshiped. Well, do you notice? that when jesus called his disciples and sent them out that one of the first things he gave them was the power to cast out devils the power to cast out devils the reason why i said read first corinthians chapter 10 is because the bible says that idols are not just little statues Idols are not just little statues, even though there may be little statues. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says this in verse 19 What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? The obvious answer is no. The little statuette, sitting, standing. He said, that in itself is nothing look at verse 20 but i say that the things which the gentiles sacrifice those who worship these things listen they sacrifice to devils and not to god so the object itself not this phone but the statuette or what have you in and of itself is not powerful is not a force but what paul is teaching is that there are spirits that these idols represent. And when you worship that idol, you're actually submitting yourself to that spirit. That spirit being devils, he used the term. Well, you know what the Greek term that we render here, devil, you know what the word devil is in the Greek? It's daimonion. And daimonion does not mean horns, red. Pitch fork feet, hooves, cloven feet. No, the word daimonion means deity. The word daimonion means, in other words, false gods. I need you to hear me. Daimonion means gods. And Jesus said, see if we can put this all together. You've got these. Fallen angels who have a sense of domination over territories and aspects of culture and desire and demand that people worship them. Jesus identifies them to us as not gods, but actually demons or devils. And notice he says, when I send you out to preach the gospel, of the kingdom of God, one of the first things you are going to do is to cast out devils. That is, you're going to dispossess these false gods. You're going to dispossess these controlling spirits. Now, Brother Blue, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Here's what it has to do with. If Athena, the spirit, not the fictitious character, but the spirit Athena, considers education to be her realm, then do you understand why educators who come in the name of the Lord would be fought and would be opposed when they try to navigate through certain political corruption and navigate through some of the red tape that hinders them from being able to serve children the way children need to be served. Why is it that when that educator is about to be promoted or is promoted, that there can be so much angst and so much uh, hostility and so much ill will when all you're trying to do is serve children with the pure spirit. In many instances, it is because it is that Athena spirit Are you listening to me Uh, now? Now, now, So I said, oh, Brother Blue, you're going too far. I'm not going too far. Ephesians 6 and 12 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's not the teacher down the hall. It's not the administrator in the office or at the district office and all that kind of thing. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it didn't say we don't wrestle. It says we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the what? Rulers of the darkness of this world rulers of the dark, wherever in your profession, you see darkness, there's a spiritual ruler that's manipulating that darkness. Did you hear me? I said, wherever you see darkness, in your professional area, in your community, in our government, in our systems, that darkness is not there coincidentally. Don't ever let anybody fool you That the wickedness and the corruption that's going on in in this world is just coincidental. And somebody was just, you know, dumb, slow, dumb. Oh, no, 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 no. Behind all of that, there is a very real demonic intentionality, a demonic deliberateness. Those of you, I'm almost done. Uh, If you give me just about three more minutes, those of you in your profession who almost totally unexpected here comes an attack almost unexpected here comes something to destabilize you're you accused of something that that's ludicrous I mean no way in the world you did this thing no there is a ruler of the darkness of this system that is troubled by the fact that now that you have come I would say something here I feel like shouting I do. Now that you have shown up with the Holy Spirit, all the unholy spirits are disturbed. All of the demonic activity is disturbed because here you come. You understand. The witchcraft can't prosper. oh, Oh, I know that sounds a little, oh, that's extreme, brother blue. Oh, yes. But the scripture tells us that there is a realm beyond the visible. And there are things that when we tell you to pray, we're telling you to pray, not pray scared prayers, but pray that the enemy that is manipulating minds, that is dulling consciences, that is making people willing to do almost anything to anybody, pray that those spirits not prevail. Those things that are working to cause our children to be so violent and vile in their behavior. Praying that God will let that spiritual blindness that keeps them from seeing that they're dealing with self-sabotaging behaviors, that those things will be removed. And listen to me. In your profession, there will be opposition and all of the opposition is not rational now if you're not doing your job right if you're not doing your duty if you're not respectful if you're not kind and courteous and cordial okay that's on me if that's me that's on you if that's you but when there's just totally unexplainable opposition totally unexplainable hostility unjustified attack many times, that's just an indicator that the spirits that dominate the part of the system where you serve are disturbed. They're bothered by the fact that when you show up, they've got to get back. And those kinds of situations work in every system, including religious systems. I'll say it again. Those kinds of spirits work in every system. Satan considers himself to be in charge of all the systems. Didn't you read Luke chapter 4? Satan had the audacity to tell Jesus the world is in my hand. And I can give it to who I want to have it. Good God. Can you see the nerve, the nerve of Satan, the nerve of a creature telling his creator, all of this is mine. And if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you a piece. Oh, my goodness. So whenever, whenever, whenever you allow yourself to worship and serve an agenda other than the true and living God, you're actually submitting to a spirit. You're actually submitting to a devil, submitting to something other than the spirit of God. It takes, it, it takes, and it would take a whole lot more time than what we have, but put on the whole armor of God and know that if you're going to serve people well, if you're going to be honest, if you're going to be courteous, if you're going to be compassionate, if you're going to be the one who goes the extra mile, if you're the one who's going to be excellent in all of the department of your duties, don't be surprised that something comes against. Makes no sense whatsoever. All the customers are applauding you. Everybody wants to be on your list. Everybody wants to call you. And yet folk in the office are all upset. It's because that spirit that dominates that sector of the culture and of the system knows that if you stay there long enough, you're going to eradicate all of the lying, all of the all of the corrupt behavior, all of the conspiracy. He knows that if you stay there long enough, all that darkness has got to be driven back and the light will come. Can you see it? And so I need for you to be prayerful, not scared. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, but prepare. Somebody put it in the comments, not scared, but prepare the bible even teaches that knowledge is power not scared but prepared and so you go into that workplace praying you go into that workplace being kind but i didn't come to play that is i didn't come to play in the sense of not be serious about what we're doing Mm -mm. that's god's will i wish we had time Maybe we'll continue. If you think that we should, if you think you'd like to hear more about it, um, we'll share more next time. But our time for this installment has come to a close. I was going to, well, I'll read this into you. I'll read this into you. Yes, I will. Um, Um, in that same fourth chapter you know jesus didn't jesus didn't yield to satan you know that thank you jesus but jesus didn't yield to satan i'm over time now please please uh i just want to say this one i want you to see it. you go, you read luke four <clears throat> jesus went to the uh the capernaum synagogue i told you satan tries to dominate every system including religious systems jesus went to the synagogue and he was teaching And look at verse 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. Listen to this. Cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. That's why they tried to fire you. That's why they tried to get you placed somewhere else. That's why they tried to get you transferred out of this office. Because that spirit said, let us alone. We're not going to have all that love in here. We're not going to have all that justice and fairness. We're not going to have all that ethical behavior in here. We're not going to have all of that greeting and good morning and how you doing and love. We're not going to have to let us alone. That's what the devil said. And when you go into an environment, hear me, when you go into an environment where Satan thinks he's in charge and you show up with your little holy self, (laughs) he may cry out in one way or the other, let us alone. But you know why he said let us alone? Because he knows you've got power over it. He wouldn't be saying, let me alone if you didn't have the power to drive him out. I heard Jesus say, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and upon scorpions, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together we shall bring pleasure to Christ's heart and fame to his name. Until we meet again the next time, May the peace of our eternal God go with me. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube finally be sure to rate and review on apple podcast and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts may god bless you until we meet again